0: trail cameras and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and this is the sixth installment of the fall sessions that I've been doing with Aaron, and man, I have I have a lot of fun recording these, right? I love the conversation that we've been having, and today's podcast is no different. The topic at hand is rules and regulations. Now, he's from Michigan, I'm from Iowa, two different worlds If you were to ask any serious hunter who maybe has had the opportunity to hunt both of those places, the rules and regulations are different. The season dates are different. The uh, amount of deer that you can harvest in a given state is different. And we talk about all that stuff, right? We talk about what we would do if we were the president of hunting and we were in charge of all the rules and regulations and, and what. Uh, what we would do in given scenarios. We we talk about what we would change in our own states, what we'd like to see changed in our own states. And other than that, it's just like a really good conversation about uh, deer hunting rules and regulations. Uh, and, uh, oh, one thing, it's kind of a hot, hot topic and the question that I asked on Instagram. So if you go to the Nine Finger Chronicles Instagram page, leave a comment about... Uh, If you would pay more money to reduce non-resident for your tag to reduce non-resident tags and kind of make up for uh, make up for that. And so uh, I believe non-residents have their place in any state. But I also believe that the rules and regulations should be based about off science and data, first and foremost. And second, the residents of that state. I, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm not sure why I believe that. It's just I feel like if you live, if I, I live in the state of Iowa, I feel like the rules and the deer hunting rules and regulations should be in the benefit of the residents first and the non-residents second. Uh, and so that's just my take on some of that stuff. So uh, we, that's uh, another part of the conversation that we, we dive into as well. All right, so let's see. Today, we got some commercials heading your way here. Um, First off, thank you guys very much for taking time out of your day to listen to this. Please don't skip through these uh, commercials because the reason I I take time to do this is because they pay me. Uh, I've created a really good relationship with these brands, and uh, that's how I get paid, man, and that's why this content is free. Right, and so uh, take take uh, two minutes here, listen to what I have to say, and uh, then we can get on with the podcast. So, here we go, here we go, here we go. Tethered just got something in the mail today, and it is one of the brand new uh, saddles from Tethered. I'm gonna try it out this weekend. It's got some big pockets on the side of it that I I like. I'm not necessarily into the the basic most minimalistic uh, things. You know, but here's what I will say that this saddle is going to allow me to keep my grunt tube, my cell phone, my uh, maybe a bleak call, which I never use uh bow hooks for when I'm climbing, hand warmers, so forth and so on. Just just some stuff to keep on my side that uh, I I have easy access to when I'm hanging from a tree. So I'm really looking forward to uh, testing that new, the new saddle out and uh, letting you all know about it. So if you want to go find out more about the, the new uh, saddles that have come out from Tethered, go to tetherednation.com and read up on all of their... What, what are we reading up on? Uh, climbing sticks, saddle hunting accessories, uh, s- platforms, and saddles themselves. So, tethered. Wasparchery.com. Did, first, I'll just lead with a discount code. NFC20. NFC20. And uh, seek and destroy, baby. Their, their broadheads absolutely destroy what they hit. And just like any any broadhead, you put it through a heart or double lungs, that animal's going to die. Right. But it's the marginal shots. And I've had, I've had a couple in my bow hunting career that unfortunately don't, when it doesn't work out the way that you want it to, you have to then rely on your broadhead to do its job. And, uh, man, I, I, I've lost one doe. Because of a, a, a marginal shot where it didn't, it didn't work in my entire, well, I, I take that back. One doe and, of course, shipwreck where that was just a bad shot and I shot him above the vitals and uh, he did not die. But uh, other than that, Wasp makes marginal shots good shots with the amount of damage that they do. Last year was a, a perfect example of that. Uh, a couple years ago where I shot a deer chest on, hop, hop, dead. And uh, so, waspartree.com, read up on the mechanicals and uh, the fixed blades that they offer. I'm a huge fan of the three blade jackhammer. So, uh, and most of their heads are still made in America, which is amazing. I, I love it. VortexOptics.com. I'm actually head, as as you're listening to this, I'm probably in a car heading to Wisconsin for a day of recording content with some of the people on at vortex and I'm looking I'm really looking forward to getting back up there I do this once a year where I go visit the vortex uh, facility and record some podcasts and make some content with some of the guys up there and I'm even from the sounds of it going to be playing in a softball game tomorrow night uh, on the on the vortex I hope they know that I suck at softball so uh, hopefully, they, uh, they, it's not like a really intense league where they have to win to, to move on because if I, I'm almost an automatic out. Anyway, I'm looking forward to that. Awesome binoculars. Awesome. Uh, oh, they, the, 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 uh, Triumph HDs. I, I, man, I just got them in today. Haven't had the opportunity to open the box up, but there's, I looked online, read up on some of the, uh, the, the uh, specs dude. It's just a really cool well-priced for the the tree stand hunter type of uh, binocular and so go to vortexoptics.com read up on it and uh, spotters range finders binoculars rifle scopes red dots you name it they have it plus their VIP warranty so uh, VIP warranty you break it bust it send it in they fix it for free and then they they send it back so all right and then last but not least, hunt stand. Dude, I'm on hunt stand a lot these days. Uh, not gonna lie, anytime I have a couple minutes to blow, I pull up hunt stand, I'm reading up or I'm, I'm e scouting new properties, old properties, access routes. I'm just thinking about deer hunting all the time. And when you are messing around with a hunting app like HuntStand, it just allows you to have your head in the game even out of season. And so, oh, here's a good spot. How do I access this spot? What happens if the wind's out of this direction? How do I access it on, on that this wind direction? Okay, what if it's a completely opposite wind? I still want to hunt this area because it's good. How do I get in there? And so you're just going through different scenarios and I, I strongly feel that that makes you a better hunter. Uh, go to huntstand.com, read up on all the functionality and while you're there, check out the new white, uh, the Pro Whitetail platform. I think you guys will enjoy. And that's the commercials, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, la, 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 la. What are we doing? Let's get into today's episode with Aaron and this sixth installment of the fall sessions. Hopefully you guys enjoy. Three, two, one, all right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the fifth install or no sixth. This is the sixth installment. Is it? I think so. This the sixth installment of the fall sessions, and uh, I am I'm blessed to have Aaron in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, dude, how do you think these have gone so far?
1: I don't know, man. I I really enjoy them. I I may sound like a, a dummy sometimes, but you know, I'm just speaking from my experiences and what I, what I do. And, but honestly, it's, it's just refreshing to talk to someone like, you know, you and I get the podcast game, like, cause we're in it every week, multiple times for multiple years. And it's like, we can just sit here and BS like we're sitting across, you yeah. know, from the table from each other. So that's what I really like is just, you know, no holds bar, no, no really, uh, you know, script we're going off of yeah. and we're just rolling with it. Yeah. I like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like we've provided some good, not necessarily, obviously the entertainment uh, aspect, but I think the educational or the information that we've discussed and talked about has, uh, could, it could be helpful as well.
1: For sure. Yeah. And, and honestly too, I've had some of my listeners reach out to me saying, man, I love what you're doing with Dan uh, on the, on the nine fingers podcast. Mm-hmm. And I think I've converted some people over there to that. Oh, that's a win. So that's, that's always good too. You know, that's a win-win there. Yeah. But uh, you know, a couple people reached out to me and just said, haven't listened to the nine fingers, but now I'm listening to it because you guys are doing this little series and they're yeah. liking it. So yeah. good feedback on my end.
0: That's great. Same here. Same here. Um, well, I appreciate that. And I'm sure there's some crop. There's, there's plenty of crossover there. I'm sure if I had to guess, you know, some of the guys who listen to yours also listen to mine and vice versa. So, yeah. uh, let's see here. Um, how was your week? Anything cool, crazy, fun happen?
1: Awesome, man. We we just had our Michigan Total Archery Challenge event. Just oh, got yeah. back. So, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I was up north uh, in Thompsonville. So, Crystal Mountain for any Michiganders. Didn't know about that area, but did the tack thing, man. Uh, you know, I work full time for Latitude Outdoors, so I was in the booth all weekend, got to shoot two courses though. Uh met a lot of people, shook a lot of hands, and you know, had a lot of fun, drank yeah. a lot of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was a good time.
0: Yeah, that old alcohol. That'll sneak yeah. up on you when you're not looking. Um I've show. never I've never been to one. I think I told you this uh, before, but I think uh my buddy John, who's also on the the Sportsman's Empire Network, and he's the host of the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast. He has he's real close to where they hold the uh, the tack event down in Oklahoma. Uh, I forget the name of I forget the name of the place, but anyway, he says it's pretty fun. He he does it every year, and he's trying to get me to come down and, and do it with him at some point. So if I go to one, it'll probably be probably be that one.
1: Yeah. No, it's a lot of fun, man. It's, you know, my perspective on it's a little different because I've always been working a booth with either a partner or my job, but, uh, you know, a lot of people roll through there and a lot of people that I talk to, they're shooting multiple days. Like I know guys that shot six courses over the the course of three days, Yeah. you know, and it's like, they, they make an event of it. Let's go up there, get an Airbnb with friends and, and just go and have fun, kind of like a little mini vacation. And, Um, that's what I would do if I was not like in the position you and I are in kind of like in the back end of things as well. Yeah. I'd definitely be like, get your closest buddies, get an Airbnb and just go up there and have a good relaxed weekend.
0: How many arrows did you lose?
1: Two, uh, three, three and two courses. So out of a total of 40 targets, uh, I, I actually physically lost one left one on the mountain, but I broke two other ones. So, okay. you know, lose, I didn't shoot very well the first day, the second day, dude, I, I mean, it was as money. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to yeah. you. I was shooting really. That's well. a good
0: feeling. That's a good dude. It I, is. I'm stroking him. I tell you this. Yeah. Uh, I would have to come with a lot of arrows. If 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 <laughs> I had to leave today to go to an event, uh, I haven't shot in a while. I'm trying to like rehab a shoulder, and so yeah. my uh, I haven't pulled out the 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 bow in in quite some time, and I need to do that. I need to get <laughs> I need to get back it got- at it. <laughs>
1: yeah and it got to the point now don't get me wrong the courses are hard but it got to the point the second day we had a big group we had like 10 of us Mm -hmm. we're all close friends and everything and and we were making the shots harder so you're supposed to have your foot on the cone that they have there yeah but we'd move off a foot or two still safe with it but we'd move off and like shoot through little gaps of trees for like four inches you know and just try to sneak arrows through there so we were trying to make a little more competition um but it it was all good fun
0: yeah man sounds fun Okay, uh, let's see here. I'm trying to think. Let's just get into it. Let's just get into yeah. today's episode. And, and I want to talk about rules and regulations. All right? Okay. Um And, I th- you know, obviously, I live in Iowa and you live in Michigan. Uh, two kind of complete, almost completely different approaches to deer herd management, sure. if you were to ask me. And, and so how, just straight up straight up, how, how do you feel about Michigan's uh, rules and regulations?
1: Man, um, I definitely want them change. like some of them change for sure. I'm okay with them, but I feel like there just needs to be more precedent put on them. There needs to be more. honestly, from an outsider's perspective, it looks like the state of Michigan doesn't do that much. Mm -hmm. It looks like it's a money grab from an outsider's perspective. Um, And, you know, I feel like they're talking out of both sides of their mouth in a lot of ways. And now, and I'm not saying this is the DNR because this goes to higher ups from them as well. I mean, the DNR aren't making the final decisions on a lot of these things. So um, there's definitely some things I want changed, you know, uh, culturally and historically, there's some things I want to stay the same, but I want them to change also. So I'm talking out of both ends of my mouth. So, um, but yeah, I mean, as a whole, like I'm okay with it, but I'd really like to see some things done differently.
0: Yeah. And so it would surprise, this is what surprised me when I got into an in-depth conversation a while ago with, um, a guy named Skip Sly. Uh, he is a, he's a, um, a bow hunting advocate here in, uh, in Iowa and talking to him and talking to some other, uh, you know, like the uh, Department of Natural Resources, people who work within that organ, uh, that, uh, part of the state, they actually don't have very many, uh, much say in how rules and regulations are introduced or put into law because that's all politicians Right. And so right now, or well, I shouldn't say right now, it's every year. There's always some kind of new law or uh, that is trying to be passed or they're trying to increase the amount of deer that can be taken. Or they're trying to allocate more tags to non-residents or landowners or just anybody, really. They're just trying to up the ante on everything. And so um, what we what you find is that it's politicians that are back or that are introducing these say hey we want to introduce 7000 more deer tags in the state in this in this state or add a a, a rifle season or add a uh, a crossbow season or you know allocate uh, an additional 10000 you know to uh, 10 you know allocate land or uh, more tags to landowners so they can sell them to uh, we, the list goes on about all the crazy stuff that happens and so uh, you know when whenever these scenarios come up, I I get really frustrated because the people who are in it that know the biology, that know the science, that know the numbers, they're not making any of the decisions uh, on how to manage a deer herd. It's the politicians, the you know the senators, the representatives, and that that just doesn't make any type of sense to me.
1: No, not at all, and I think, and I've 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 been blamed or I, I put myself blame for it as well. Like the DNR point fingers at, at them is the easy button, you know, oh, yeah. until you really know, like you, I can't imagine you could roll into any DNR office or anything around the state of Michigan or Iowa or anywhere and walk in there and be like, ask them a question, you know, one buck or, or two bucks. Mm-hmm. Like what would, I can't imagine that all of them would say, Oh, two bucks is good. Two bucks. Yeah. They're fighting for us. Yeah. Like I got to really, uh, You know, they're no dummies, Yeah. you know, so I think the DNR pointing the blame at them is the easy button, but you're right, man. It's these people that really don't have a clue of what's going on. I don't know who the hell's telling them what to do and what to propose and stuff like that, which is very scary when you think about it. Yeah. Because they have the power at their fingertips to probably just be like, you know, it's not that big a deal. Let's get rid of all
0: this stuff. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I just, the, the more I learn about how all this goes down, the the more I get pissed. And a lot of people, so I am here, I, w- I don't want to say anti. Here, here are some things in Iowa that we have to deal with every year. Um, non-resident landowners, right? They have to go through the draw system just like everybody else, just like any other non-resident does. And so there's laws that are being introduced every year that says, "Hey, landowners should be, even if they're non-resident, should be able to come in and hunt Iowa every single year." And so that's a scary one for me because what happens is then these land, then everybody floods to Iowa, the mecca, right? And then it just displaces locals, uh, and it increases land prices for people who so it. it it starts to fade towards you. Got to pay to play. You got to you got to be rich, especially when Iowa is less than two percent uh, public land. And this everything I'm saying I've already said again. I've already said before, but yeah, uh, that's that's a scary one. Um, and I'm not necessarily against landowners uh, shooting tags or you know shooting that but i like to look uh, i like to look a step further down the line and say what's the impact and how will this impact everything moving down the line there's so many layers to this stuff that don't get addressed when they propose some of these bills and quite frankly the people that do it don't care right and so the, the other one that really frustrates me is hey we want we want crossbows during archery during the archery season all right well and then and then people are like, well, c- certain people. I'm not necessarily anti-crossbow. I uh, I. You already have a, a season to use your crossbow in, in the late season here in Iowa. And they want it in the archery season. Well, I think Ohio. I don't know the numbers for sure. But Ohio is a crossbow state. And I think 70% of archery tags or something like that, 70% of archery tags are filled by crossbows. So mm-hmm. it just goes, it, it goes up now. Like the, the success rate goes up because it's an easier weapon to master. And in my opinion, uh, a crop, you know, crossbow is not archery. So, and that sometimes that makes people mad. What I'm trying to, the, the whole thing I'm trying to say is I don't want any laws in, in Iowa to be changed. I'm happy with where everything at is at right now. I feel like our state is well managed. I feel like, um, uh, non-residents get an opportunity, you know, sometimes they got to wait depending on what zone they decide to hunt in. But, uh, and, and if you're a non-resident landowner, you have the opportunity to hunt as well. Maybe not during the archery season every single year, but you get other opportunities to hunt on your own property. And so I just am not a, like, I don't, I, I've seen what happens in other states when these laws get introduced and it, it just murders everything that you're that you come to love and expect, especially from a state of Iowa, it takes nothing to, to, uh, to wreck that with an, an, an additional, you know, 10,000 allocated tags that are added into the mix. And so, so I don't know, man. I, I, uh, I get, I get really heated when it comes to, to things like that.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I don't disagree with you. It's, you know, this weekend, after it was saturday night after or no i'm sorry friday night after the TAC event we were all back at airbnb and we had some guys over and we were just drinking a couple beers and and just talking and and we got talking about uh because michigan this last week as we're recording this they you know went to vote with a couple different you know changes proposals and everything and one was going to be a statewide apr so antler point point restriction Mm -hmm. and it got squashed i mean it you know it got It got turned down pretty easily. but So that got brought up. Somebody posed a question to me of like, you know, what would you like to do? And I'm like, honestly, I would like to adopt Iowa's, from A to Z, adopt Iowa's whole gamut. And I said, not because they have bigger deer than us. It's not like we're going to, as Michigan gonna adopt iowa's rules and next year we're gonna have just giants everywhere like and i don't want to say it sound like there's giants everywhere in michigan or uh, iowa there's bigger deer per square mile i would say Mm -hmm. but it's not from a it's not from a bigger deer standpoint it's just from the herd management the tag allocations the um registering your deer registering your harvest that sort of thing and I feel like their data and their seasons, their hunting seasons make total sense, mm-hmm. way more sense. Yep. Um, And, and that's not going to change the fact that Michigan has, you know, twice as many or three times as many deer hunters as Iowa. I get that. Yep. But to go to Iowa, you know, I have an uncle that shoots a crossbow because he's older and, yep. you know, he's got a bad shoulder. He, he, can't go to Iowa and hunt with a bow unless he gets a doctor's note. Yep. To, as a non-resident. And I don't know if that's for residents as well, but I'm like to me that could be a good thing. You know, yep. um I'm not anti-crossbow either, but you know, crossbows for youth, I'm okay with yep. to get him into it if that's the if that's the case. And then crossbows for senior citizens or your seniors I or disabled, Old, um, older
0: and disabled. Yeah. Or
1: or disabled. Yep. Yes. Um that's where I draw the line, mm-hmm. you know. Guys like you and I don't need to be shooting crossbows if we're perfectly healthy.
0: Yeah,
1: we don't. Uh, I don't care if you don't have enough time to shoot in the off season. You need to make the time. Yeah. You need to. That's not an excuse for me. Right. I don't. I don't mean to be so blunt, but that's just the way it is. I mean, you're shooting a crossbow that's, you know, 400 plus feet per second, and you know, there's no. You don't have to pull a bow back or nothing like that. Like you can't sit here and tell me that it's not easier for someone to shoot a crossbow. Now it is legal to use that weapon hundred mm. percent. Get it. I am okay with that. But like you said, let's make a season four or let's put some regulations on it that so people aren't abusing it. I know yeah. people that are my age. I'm 36, perfectly healthy are shooting a crossbow because it's easier. And they've yeah. told me that and I'm like, yeah. that is wrong. Yeah. You know,
0: uh, speaking of michigan do you what do you feel would have the most impact would it be removing crossbows from the archery season or would it be moving the uh, firearm season out of the rut
1: moving the firearm season out of the rut yeah yeah um and it'll never happen which is fine because it's november 15th it's yeah go back to historical uh the historical things that i really enjoy Mm -hmm. is november 15th you know like that's that's deer season that that's when gun season i'm okay with having it starting at the 15th if it's only four days long yeah you know our gun season right now is essentially like 28 days long yeah you know and we can shoot rifles you can shoot rifles in a lot of a majority part of the state you know so that that's an issue you know and all the gun hunters that are listening to your podcast right now are just eating me alive right now i get (laughs) it but like You know, I understand, like, our deer camp, we have over half of us, the older guys that I've grown up with, the the guys that are, like, fathers to me. That's all they do is rifle hunt. You know, and I get it. Like, this might be their last fall. Like, I understand. But, man, like, you know, let's move it back five days, six days. My whole proposal is, like, let's move it back to Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Because every year people get Thanksgiving, they usually get four or five days off. Yeah. you know that's just it because of thanksgiving and black friday and everything move it to opening day is that weekend families that come back home you know they're all together it's like hey let's let's make this your tradition you know we're here we can hunt you know we're, we don't get a lot of time to hunt boom right there yeah. and the rut is still going on you know i say move it back to that time frame and uh that's me being a a, a more passionate bow hunter and yeah. wanting his cake and eating it too but it's just like, I'm also not, I'm looking at it as far as like a, a herd management standpoint is, from the whole state is do we kill a lot of deer in two days of rifle season, mm-hmm. or even in one day opening day, there's a lot of deer that get killed. Yeah. So I would, I would, I would, I would like to move it back or shorten it for sure.
0: Do in your group of friends or in your family, when you do your, your, uh, your family hunt, do people bitch about small bucks still? Or are they just out there to to have fun, to do the traditional thing and and just shoot whatever comes by?
1: Um, they don't really bitch about small bucks. You know, a lot of my close friends that are my age are more of um to the point now where it's just like, ah, you know, we don't know how many falls dad or grandpa has left, so like yeah. we don't need to bitch about it. It's like, but I will say, Dan is like all my friends we leave for opening day now we go to a different state we Mm. go to kansas we'll go to iowa or we'll go somewhere ohio we don't really hunt rifle season opening day anymore and that's been like that for the last four or five years gotcha now the older guys i will say you know 10 years ago or even five six years ago like a two and a half year old buck that's 100 110 inches was like you know that was a big deer we have made a step up from that with the older generation in my circle yeah now it's like the 3 year olds we're killing more 3 year olds that are you know 120 to 125 to 130 and you know they're excited way more excited about that but we do have a we do have a good amount of 2 year old you know hundred inch deer that get killed on opening day yeah um so they're just happy to be out there yeah. honestly
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to number one, you'll never make anybody happy. But I feel like if you really are trying to do what is best for a given state, then it's not gonna make people happy. It's gonna I I would feel like there would be a year or two of a band aid rip type scenario, and then people would be like, Okay, all right, well anyway, here's the new normal and this is what we have to do now. And it then for example once you start getting a higher age class of bucks and people see the, the change until that, until they see no, one, nobody has vision. Nobody has the vision to see into the future of what an older age class would do. Um, how do you, where do you stand on, uh, Michigan being a two buck state?
1: You know, I'm part of the problem. I shot two bucks last year. Yeah. You know, I, I could, it could be really easy for me just to shot the first buck last year and not, buy two tags but my whole thing is if i can buy two tags i'm going to because that that money goes to conservation yeah so and this is what i kind of tell people that like aren't hunters you know um as far as like i'll take you know my mom first and for instance she's not a hunter but she could buy a tag and that is her donation to conservation if she would like you yeah. know people like that you know that's just a but my my whole take is yeah, I want one buck. I mean, for sure, I want it tomorrow, and I'd pay a hundred dollars for that one buck tag. I really would. Yeah, that's just yeah, for older age class deer and for bigger deer, 100%. But in the grand scheme of things, I know that our herd would balance, give it two, three years, our herd would be a way better balanced herd than we'd then we'd have we've had for the last 30 40 years because that's gonna force guys and gals to shoot more does yeah and those guys that you know want the meat so bad to that maybe don't like to shoot does they're gonna shoot does and that's just gonna in turn you give it three four years it'll balance out the herd man one buck i would i'd give anything to have one buck back you know what i mean um actually not back we've never had it so I guess that's kind of my take on it. But you guys, as Iowa, I mean, if you're a landowner, you can shoot three bucks, right? Yep, yeah, three bucks.
0: So, three bucks for landowners is that owners.
1: a big is that a big thing for you? Like, do you look at that and like, man, I don't really agree with that.
0: You know, it's it's hard to say because a lot of a lot of stuff that goes down. You know that that second landowner tag is coveted, right? I mean, people, you, you just it opens up what you can do if you're a landowner, uh, what you can pass. And what you can, you know, what you're willing to shoot. So, um, you have one archery tag, and then you have one which would be considered a firearm tag, and you can use that for early season muzzleloader. You can use it for any of the shotgun season or the late season tag. Now you throw in your landowner's tag on top of that, so anybody with four acres or more then can get a second tag. Um, I I don't know if it needs to be based off, of, like, if they need to bump up that four acres and and make it more like 10 acres or something like that, I, I don't know. Um, I, I feel like, you know, we have so few hunters compared to you guys that I don't think it's a big issue right now. If Because a lot of the guys who do let's just say they're not filling their tag they're not filling that 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 tag on any buck so usually what happens is they'll shoot like uh and I'm not saying this is the norm or anything I'm just saying this is what I feel happens they're gonna shoot like a 140 then they're gonna hold out for a stud and then their their firearm season usually some guys will do the muzzle, late season muzzle loader um you know, most people that I know who are landowners, they have their statewide archery tag, then they have their landowners tag, which they use for during the, during the rut. And so whatever one they fill first, then they hold the other one for a giant. They're, they're passing, like they're, they're managing their own land. They're, they're passing yep. small deer. They're, they want to get that older age class. And then the, the firearm tag is usually for a muzzleloader in the late season. And so I mean, you can use it where, really wherever you want. and So I don't know. I, like, there's a part of me that likes the, the Kansas system, which is one buck. You, you, can, you, can, you can use a gun with it you can, during the gun season. You can use a bow during the archery season. Whatever you want. We don't care. But you only shoot one buck. Now, mm-hmm. I think a lot of it depends on the amount of cover uh, in a given area, too. Right, so Kansas is, you know, more pasture, uh, less cover, uh, even than southern Iowa. There's a there's good cover in southern Iowa, northern Iowa not so much, but so in certain areas, taking two bucks. I wish they could. I wish they could do what they do with does, right? So in Iowa, every county has an allocation to to does so some some like the county that I live in there's a lot of people and the dough tags run out fast and then by the end of August all of them have been purchased but in my the, the county that I grew up in there's always like 3,000 extra dough tags uh, after the first initial purchase and so what you have there then is like, just, you can go back. I, if I wanted to, I could shoot as many does as I wanted. There's that many tags. Okay. There's that many tags left over. I wish they could put the science that, you know, the science they use there and say, hey, this is a one buck county or this is a two buck county. Uh, you know what I mean? And so to, to balance the herd. And so it would be, it would be based off county. But I don't think, you know, I don't think that would ever go over because certain people, Let's say if you have a, a river bottom ground in an all ag, in an all ag, that guy definitely wants to keep his second buck tag. While it probably won't affect the guy up, you know, in, in ag country once once the co- crops come out, right? Because yeah. everything's flooding down to where he's at anyway. And so that guy, you know, there's all these little micro ecosystems that are within every little place. And and so that, that makes it difficult as well. So who knows, man?
1: Tell me this. Do you think that uh, a landowner getting possibly three tags for the year is a bigger impact than the early muzzleloader season? Because I see a lot of residents killing giants in that early muzzleloader season in October. Right. Like, I know, I personally know guys that are like every year, are, like, killing giants. Yeah. Um, what do you think is a bigger a bigger impact? Without really probably knowing the numbers just like as on, on your head and what you see.
0: Yeah. I, I you know I don't see the like for me anyway, I don't know personally of a lot of guys who actually hunt the early season muzzle loader. Okay. Yeah. So I don't really have any information on it. Now what I will say is late season muzzle loader, guys are slaying <laughs> giants yeah right they don't even hunt the rut because they know when all the crops come out around their farm they have standing crops in theirs or they have food plots and it just turns in yeah. Dude, I, I know guys who are not good hunters at all who are smoking giants with muzzle loaders in in the late season every single year and it's just like they hunt they hunt the archery season they they're not good at you know, putting themselves in position for bow hunting. They can't make it happen, but their fail safe is the late season muzzle loader, especially if you have standing beans and you have the money to do that. And so, so that's where they're, they're finding their success. But outside of that, man, it's hard to tell because there's so, you know, there's so many, like you cut, you go interstate 80 in Iowa through Des Moines and you cut, the state and half north south, they're two yep. completely different states, right? It's all ag up, uh, flat ag ground uh, up in the northwest corner of Iowa. Yeah, there's some river bottoms and things like that. That, but everything gets like where where my grandparents grew up. There's deer there, but they're all stacked into these little river bottom properties. And then right off of that is where all my grandparents and it was just ag as far as you could see as far as you could see and so man i don't know i i i don't know i don't know it, it, it's, it's i tough. feel
1: like this conversation's always like doesn't matter who you have it with yeah i feel like it's always talking in circles because yeah. it's like we want to do something different we might have a couple of good ideas that we think are good ideas but then it's like it's just a revolving door of like talking in a circle yeah um, because if you take
0: but- if you take a tag away from a landowner what i mean there's no real benefit to being a landowner then. Uh i maybe, maybe because if you take if you take a tag away from a landowner, then you have to take a tag away from a non landowner, almost, right? You take a tag yeah, away from it, everybody.
1: It, it, and I also think though, that could be twofold, right? And yep. tell me if I'm wrong here. I'm gonna I'm gonna hot take here. Yep. Let's say you take that landowner tag away because you're going to get guys because you only have to buy four acres. I say only, but yeah. I mean, for some guys, that's probably not that hard to do. Yeah. Um, let's say, you know, you got guys buying ta- or buying land just because of, just to get that tag. Yeah. Now, in the flip side, if you take that away, wouldn't that open up more public land possibly for, you know, for the state to buy? Possibly. You know what I mean? Cause I was, you said it's only 2% public. There's not a ton there. So let's say you take that away. I, I mean the logistics of that might be a nightmare, but what I'm thinking is like, if you have a certain amount of, of hunters buying land and, and, and just purchasing land just to purchase it for a tag, mm-hmm. do you think that might open up more public land possibilities for the state to buy?
0: I don't know, man. I don't know.
1: And maybe that four acres is so small that it's really not even going to make a big deal. Yeah. You know, like yeah. why would the state of Iowa buy just four acres to put it in public land? I don't know.
0: Yeah. So then what you're doing it, in a way, it looks like you're taking something away from a landowner to give it to uh, to everybody. A, a else. Not yeah, a, everybody else. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, they could take advantage of it if they wanted to too, but I don't know too many guys who are. Private landowners in Iowa that go and hunt public too. I know a couple of them, but yep. they save their farm. They they save their farm for the rut or or the best time of year, and then they they go hunt public sometimes as well. Very few guys do that. A majority just you know they just go hunt their own farms, so they probably don't, right. they wouldn't take advantage of of it. And I think there would be there would need to be a ton of land purchased in order to make a difference. I agree. And that would be, it'd be impossible given the financials of all that. Mm -hmm. So um, if you were president of hunting, right, (laughs) if you were the president of hunting or you were in charge of some natural resource committee and there was no vote, you didn't have to, you didn't have to pass a, any type of, uh law you just implemented whatever you wanted across the entire country. What are you doing?
1: Hey putting me right on the spot there because it's so situational. But as a general as a generality of everything, I think uh I think every state um and this I might after I think about this more after we're done recording I'll probably change but right off the right up the rip, every state is a one buck state non-residents coming into that state it has to be a draw like it's there's no over-the-counter stuff but it might you know it could be a year or two you know um i think it has to be county-based mm-hmm. it, like you said like northern iowa very open very not not a ton of timber i think i think you do an analyst of each of each state and county and you come up with a plan for those counties and those zones mm-hmm. and you zone everything off. Um, and maybe that's when you go, okay, we can take two bucks per zone here, but the rest of it's gonna be one buck. And um, and then how I would do the doe allocation is the same, basically the same way. You gotta do your deer census to, to figure out how many you can take, but to try to keep that good balance there. But I, you know, it, it, the other thing is too, like non-residents fund a lot of states, you know, like, yeah nebraska right now they just they're basically cutting their tags their non-resident tags and like you know almost 50 percent like that's a lot of ad or that's a lot of revenue that comes into that state from non-residents so like non-residents do fund a lot of that um but i I, you know being a traveling hunter as well i love to be able to do over the counter but in the grand scheme of things i like to try to position like oh i can hunt kansas this year and i'm gonna draw iowa in two years like I don't have to, you know, you can you can hopscotch, you yeah. know what I mean, and and really make a plan there. I would really like to see like a draw because the way Iowa does it, sixty dollars for a point for non residents, so you know, you're getting the state's getting money that way too, and mm-hmm. the hunter the people aren't coming to hunt that. Yeah. That that's just mailbox money, in yeah. my opinion. Yep. So why not do a system like that? And then when the tag when you do draw the tag, yeah, it's gonna be a pricey tag. It's yeah. gonna be five hundred bucks or more. Yeah. Um And then you're just, you know, because it's coveted. And and in turn, you're going to make want, you're going to want more people to come to your state or people are going to want to come to your state because you have a better deer herd. You have bigger deer to chase. And it's not like an every year thing. So it's going to be a little more sought after, I think. So right off the rip and, you know, that's it as a, as a 30,000 foot view, I think that's some things that I'd really want to do.
0: Yeah. If you were to ask this question to any resident of any state, if if we reduce non resident tags, would you be willing to pay more for your tag? What do you think their answer would be?
1: As for a resident of that for state. For a resident you're of the state, yep. I think you'd have a heavy lean towards yes, I'd pay more. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, like I think that I think the, I think the like, kind of the fair weather guys that are maybe just rifle hunters, maybe the little older generation, they might be a little more reluctant. But mm-hmm. the guys like you and I, there's more of us than that older generation. I think they're going to be like, yep, how much is it going to be? Take my yeah. wallet.
0: And the, here, here's the thing. There's so much old school mentality into this because, number one, I paid twenty eight fifty for my statewide buck tag. Twenty eight fifty. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Man, yeah. like, I feel like that should be almost fifty bucks, or something. You know, if, some, let me
1: ask you this, Dan. What if it was a hundred? Would you pay it?
0: Yeah, of course I'd pay it because this is what I do. You know, if it was two hundred dollars, mm-hmm. I'd pay it because this is what I do. If it was five hundred dollars, I would pay it because this is what I do. Okay, yep. this is this is what I do. I don't do anything else. But it, just because something is cheap. Doesn't mean it's affordable. So twenty eight fifty to me is nothing. Twenty eight fifty to you know somebody else could be. geez, man, that's I got. I really have to think if I can afford this or not. You know, um, sure. and so I don't know. I feel like the whole point of that question was I feel like any state. I understand how non-residents bring money into states and the amount that they do well because they're paying more and i feel like a non-resident should pay more but i also think that all the rules and regulations that are set should keep the the state's best interest or the the resident's best interest in mind first and foremost because ultimately they're paying state taxes right they're paying they are living there they're paying the state taxes and if you balance that out right uh, a tag in iowa versus what i'm paying a non-resident tag in Iowa versus what I am paying in taxes to the state every year, there's, there's your answer right there. Mm -hmm. Now states like, uh, I think recently Nebraska cut non-resident tags. You said, um, Wyoming or was it Wyoming or Montana did, did the same. And I'm okay with that. I mean, it just means the line to get into the, those states are going to get longer. Uh, but the, if you really want to hunt a state like move to the state and that's what i say to the these these non-resident landowners where they buy the land in Iowa knowing the current rule and then they bitch about not being able to hunt here well why did you buy land in Iowa if you already knew the rule the the rule existed so you're now you're you're moving into you're you're buying land in a state and now you're trying to change the rule right that's what's mm-hmm. happening when people leave Calif- they're leaving California, New York, and they're moving to Texas or or Florida or something like that. And then they 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 bitch about the rules that are there. And then they they vote in the same thing that's going wrong in their state when when they get there anyway. That's that same mentality. And so yeah. you love you love something about a state, so you go buy land there. Then you want to try to change it for your own benefit. And like I don't I don't like that.
1: Let me, I agree with you. Uh, I want to, I want to take it a little step further and go back to your initial question. And if you were to ask resident owners or resident, resident people of that state, if they would pay more for a tag, let me ask you this. A couple podcasts ago, you, you know, you brought to my attention that you talked to a guy at a, a sporting event and, you know, you, you realized that, you know, he was kind of talking a big game until he realized like who, you, you know, what you do and how, how invested you are. And then maybe he's not as invested. Mm -hmm. uh, you know. So let me ask you, in somebody that you know that might be like that, like you could say fair weather or you know, they're just not as invested. They just do it to do it. Do you think those guys would be reluctant or willing to pay a little bit more? Like how you know, what's your where's your headspace on that?
0: Okay, so here's what I would want to see. And this this would have to be in depth research. But I would want to see the average income uh, from the people who buy hunting license. And so uh, uh, you you don't have to give your name or social security number, but just a survey that says, how much money do you make a year? And I feel like the people who buy, who are hunters would be at the average or higher. The, the, The average would be at the state average and or higher. Right? Sure. So so people who are currently hunting are making more money than the average person, if that makes mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. I would feel like the fair weather guys would still pay it. Would still pay it. I pay uh you know, a fifty or a hundred dollars for for a tag like that. But I see because I've been there before when you know when when my mom and dad got uh, divorced, man, we we didn't have much. I mean we're we were pinching pennies pretty tight. And so an additional X ex- back then though the the tag was twelve dollars to get a, a deer tag. And even mm-hmm. then, you know, I can remember certain scenarios where like ten dollars was a thing. Even, you know, back right. in the the late eighties, early nineties. And so now times it by two, whatever, you now you're you're it's the same kind of thing some people may seem 28 i just i would i would in order to make that decision i would have to ha- have some more analytics to look at sure
1: yeah and i think that's with a lot of stuff that we're talking about is the yeah. numbers need to the, num- the numbers need to be we need to know the number before we mm-hmm. make any knee-jerk reaction um
0: because i don't want to see someone not be able to hunt because it's too expensive you know what I mean?
1: Right. Like, and that that was like my next question too is like, do you think it would be advantageous for the state to be like, for residents, only for residents, mm-hmm. if you're under this average line or whatever line that might be, here is like a payment plan you can do. And you have, you know, because I, I agree with you. There's yeah. some people that are less fortunate and probably can't budget the way a lot of other guys or gals can so it's like okay you know three or four installments i know it sounds really like billy mays but three or four installments of like this by this date yeah you can still hunt while you're paying on it but it needs to be paid off by this yeah you know would that be a way to go
0: maybe but it just becomes complicated for the state to have to figure that out someone would have to manage that and that's more money to a person instead of towards the natural resource. So you're ha- you're having to hire someone to manage that that system and I just then I don't think it would be beneficial in the long run.
1: Now tell me this, what about having like a booking agent like a worldwide trophy adventures like a WTA that they'll float the cost, you know, so like if you're that booking agent, Dan Johnson is, Dan Johnson Inc and i'm a lesser you know can't really afford it and i go to you and like hey i want to buy you know i want to get a deer tag this year you float my cost your company does and then i pay you back you know what i mean so mm-hmm. the state's still getting their money i know there's got to be cash flow going there but there's a lot of companies that do it WTA is one um what's it? there's a couple other ones that float tag for yeah. people to go on these big hunts but it could be like a booking agent almost
0: yeah if it if it's third party I'd be more inclined to do something like that than actually have it be a state run program sure. so
1: yeah and that just generates more jobs for the state as well yeah and there's ways that you could definitely work in conservation to that um but that that could be an option I feel like
0: yeah yeah how much is a Michigan tag
1: um uh I think. I'm gonna be wrong. I'm gonna have to look it up real quick. I'll look it up right here. It shows you how much I really pay attention to I just buy it every year. <laughs> yeah.
0: So the cool thing about the, while you're looking that up, I'll say uh the cool thing my my first buck tag is 2850, my first doe tag is 2850, and then my second doe tag I think is like 12 bucks. And so from there it's all cheaper. Now when it comes to tag prices, I think landowner tags are four dollars. Oh, really? Yeah for for a landowner a landowner's tag, I want to say it's four four dollars. Um, dead is not good, right? For how much? No, is, dead is
1: fine. You talk to Joe dead Rogan. Dead air is is good to go. Yeah. We're just we're just looking stuff up. How here.
0: How much is? Um, uh,
1: so a deer license, a resident, uh, that, the, the, why isn't that giving me what I want here? Um, yeah, dead air is fine. Everybody's.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Resident landowner, any sex, $2. What? $2 for that tag. A resident landowner. A resident landowner. I live in Iowa. I own land in Iowa. Um, My any sex tag is two dollars. Okay. That needs to be that. That price needs to go up. I feel because I think back in the day, the whole point of a non-resident tag was like, hey, I'm having problems with deer. I wanna I wanna shoot some of these deer. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. uh, it's not like, but now it's something different. You know, it's like, Hey, maybe, maybe it is, but now it's not like the, 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 the guys who are buying land strictly to hunt. Yeah. They may, they may farm it or they may cash rent the the ground out to someone who, who farms it. Uh, Yeah. Like that they're not there for like herd management. They're there to kill giant deer, like to big bucks. And that's what they're using it for. And so yep. I feel like the price of that needs to go up.
1: No, I I would agree. Okay. So a base license, so basically Michigan calls it a base license, but it's like your hunting license for a resident is $11, yeah. okay? So that's just for your hunting license for you to be legal to go hunting. Now, a resident deer license is 20 bucks, okay? Uh and then a resident combo, so that's, you know, two deer tags basically uh, one's a buck tag and the other one's an either sex tag, it is 40 bucks. So you're looking at, you know, roughly $51 for a resident for a buck tag, an either sex tag and a, in a base light in a, you know, your hunting license yeah. now for non-residents, if you want to know non-residents, um, a non-resident hunting license is $151 to come to Michigan to get your hunting license and then a non resident tag is 20 bucks. So you're looking at like roughly around 170 some dollars to come hunt Michigan as a non resident.
0: How much? 167?
1: Uh, I think it's 171 or 100 okay. low 170s for a non resident to come and hunt Michigan.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's what I paid. And I thought that was dirt cheap. I mean, in I the grand
1: scheme of things, it's one of the cheapest out there that I know of.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I I, I feel, felt that Nebraska was fairly cheap when I when I went out there. I, maybe they raised their prices last year or something. Anyway, what, anyway, what
1: is one of the cheapest states that you've been to well, that you can remember?
0: Well, I went. To, uh, I can't remember if it was Texas or Oklahoma. Well. Not that I've actually hunted. Ne- Nebraska is by far the the cheapest that I've actually hunted in outside of, you know, as far as uh, out-of-state hunts. But I think Oklahoma, you can buy a book. They give you, they don't just give you one. They give you a booklet. And you can shoot like two or three bucks. And you can shoot uh, uh, like six does or something like that. I, I you know, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing there. But in Texas, I think it's the same way. They just give you a booklet. Alabama, I think they give you a booklet, and you just mark it off as you go, right? So it's not not individual. (laughs) That's so crazy. Yeah. For a while there, Alabama, I don't know if this has changed, you could shoot a buck every day of the season.
1: That's wild. I think New Jersey, you can kill like five bucks.
0: Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I do wish Michigan's out-of-state tag was probably a little bit higher. Just a little bit. I I really don't know the number of people that come to Michigan to hunt. I really don't know that percentage and how many people are doing that. I can't imagine it's that high. Uh, A lot of it's probably people that used to be residents of Michigan that moved away and they come home for Thanksgiving or like, oh, I'm from Michigan. We got My grandpa's got laying there, so I'm going to hunt. So that's probably a, a... a majority of the non-resident hunting i would think
0: yeah another thing that i would like to see is iowa lower the age of the lifetime hunting license i don't know 40 or something like that charge a thousand
1: how old is it
0: i think it's i think it's 60 or 55 or 60
1: so wait, wait a second so you a lifetime goes until you're 55 or 60 no no no.
0: a lifetime goes until you're dead but you can't purchase it until you're a certain age
1: oh i see what you're saying okay yeah lifetime that would be done
0: yeah Tell iowa you. lifetime hunting license let's see here um non-resident hunting how much is a lifetime hunting license in iowa This says $22. I don't, I don't think that's right, though.
1: That Re, can't be right.
0: Resident hunting, $22. How much is a lifetime hunting license in Iowa? I don't know. Does $22 that, cannot be right. You know it can't be right. So right here,
1: uh, for a Michigan uh, lifetime, the fee for a comprehensive lifetime hunting and fishing license is 1025 $1,025, and she'll include all the following, a resident small game license, resident firearm deer license, and resident bow and arrow deer license. So that's what it is in Michigan. I don't know the stipulations on it, though, like when you can buy it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm I, going to have to do some more digging to that because that's just, oh, here it is. See, this is sixty-one fifty.
1: That can't be right. That's got to be in the thousands, I would say.
0: Yeah, there's, um, there's some uh, stipulations here in Asterix that I'll have to read into. Anyway, I think it'd be cooler if uh, they, they drop that because they're still getting their money out of it. And even, you sure. know, most, peop- most people stop hunting at a certain age anyway. Uh, you know, like late 70s, I would guess. People aren- don't go out as much anymore. Maybe if you're serious, you still buy your tag anyway. And maybe go out for a, a weekend of gun season in, in your late seventies, but most people are mm. are hanging it up by then. If I had to guess,
1: yeah, I would agree with you.
0: So um, now here, just kind of going back to what we were talking about in this, you know, one stamp. Like I think if you, this is the hard conversation to have because m- what I want, and let's say someone like my stepdad wants. Art is too complete. My my stepdad is a passionate hunter. He loves going out, but he's not waiting for a four year old to come by every year, mm-hmm. right? Even in Iowa, he's 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 pulling the trigger on. He's he's more of a not necessarily it's a brown it's down guy, but he's not a he's not like me and he's he's passing three year olds. Okay, he's shooting yeah. he's shooting stuff, especially in the shotgun season. Uh, anything that comes by is getting shot when they, when they, if they do a drive or if they're just sitting either way, this is the hard part is like, I can't just think about myself. I have to think about everybody else because if I want if, if I, if everybody was the same, then I would say implement Iowa's rules and regulations in absolutely every state across the nation that as far as whitetails are concerned. And that would, be, I, I feel like everything would balance out, but that's your guess. I'm, I'm not a biologist. But I, people don't think like that. Like not everybody thinks like that. So if I, if I am saying, if I'm introducing some of these certain rules and regulations to make deer hunting, um, like the the age class up, then I'm taken away from the guy who just like, dude, I love hunting. I'm going to shoot animals. I don't care if it has big antlers. I don't care if, you know, I understand that they can still do those things under those rules and regulations, like Michigan with their antler point restriction and, and adding that statewide. That's kind of a that's harsh. I, I feel like that would, oh, yeah. that, would be, that would be that would be harsh, even though um, I have a buddy that lives in northern Michigan and he was he lives in an antler point restriction uh, zone, and he said I have seen direct results of that APR meaning bigger bucks
1: yeah and to combat that because i have my my co-host on our podcast david riley he his grandfather is i think in his early 80s and still to this day goes out and just wants to kill his buck you know Mm -hmm. and his argument is like apr would be good but also for like those older people you know or the or the youth They have to uh, obey by those rules. And it's like, yeah, but grandpa just wants to go out and shoot his buck opening day. Yeah.
0: That's,
1: that's fine. I I agree with you. So I would say, you know, to combat that, like when you hit 65 years old, you can shoot whatever you want after that. Okay. Kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Almost like, almost like my dad just turned 65 a couple days ago. My dad is still, he still shoots a vertical bow, he still waits for a three year old um he's kind of an anomaly in that way in that sense but like a lot of those guys and gals when they turn 65 let them shoot whatever they want yeah it doesn't have to be an apr because i think the percentage of those people is not as high as you really think right um i think for the youth that and and maybe when they get to 13 14 years old or something like that um then they have to start obeying by the by everybody else's playing field but then when you get to 65, it kicked. Because when you get in 60, when I think it's you, when you turn 65 in Michigan, you uh, get the senior pricing for all the tags. So my yep. dad only pays like five bucks for his tags. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. Yeah, man. Good conversation today. I it's something that it's it's it is the hardest thing and the most confusing to me. Number one just being like the people you are mad at the DNR are probably not making any of the decisions right, they're exactly. they're probably for in, in Iowa they're probably doing the allocation of doe tags per county but outside of that you know shotgun seasons rifle seasons archery seasons dates tag out uh, tag allocation to landowners and non-residents that's all done by politicians and um I would I would if I was president of hunting I would say politicians cannot make decisions on hunting You're like hunting rules and regulations it's all done through the department of natural resources
1: yeah yeah i so. agree with that 100
0: anything else you want to add before we shut her down today
1: no man good conversation uh, appreciate having me on again yep. and uh, yeah it was great
0: yeah there's going to be a, a delay there's going to be one week without the fall session aaron's uh being lazy and going on a vacation
1: <laughs> i gotta spend some family time man where i can just turn my phone off and not have to worry about anything oh hell yes <laughs> hell yes
0: all right enjoy your vacation man and uh, again thanks for coming on thanks dan cool and there you have it another episode in the books Huge shout out to Aaron. Huge shout out to all of you for taking time out of your day to download, record. Please go leave me a five-star review whenever you get the chance. Uh, please go and support the, the brands that support this podcast. Tethered, Wasp, Vortex, Hunt Stand, uh, Woodman's Pal, and Huntworth. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to sharing a couple more with you coming down the path. And then, that's it, man. Good vibes in. Good vibes out. If you're gonna be in a tree, it's that time of season, it's that time of year, man. Wear your damn safety harness, and we'll talk to you next time.